0: Um, maybe you should eat something. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should buy some new furniture and fix up this broke-ass apartment. I would if I could afford it. You need to put these children to work. They need to be contributing. My contribution to this home paid for the food that you're about to eat. Maybe you should put the bottle down. Maybe you should stop selling your booty hole for quarters. <laughs> No, your dumb ass ain't laughing. Yo, I ain't dumb. No! Spell evangelista. It's not necessary. What's well, not necessary is you being up in my business. Are you a G-string? No! So stay out of my ass! <coughs> All right, that's enough. You can't just come up in my house reading my kids like that. Why did you invite me over here? Because your music's whack. You're our family. You dressed us, you fed us. You supported me when I needed to be held up so I wanted to do the same for you, but you're off, your game prey. You drinking and smoking and shit. Playing the same damn song. We all know you've been going through it. We're just worried. You couldn't have done this shit in private. Mm -hmm. After all the times I've been there for you, all the secrets I've held for you. Wait, listen. No, you listen. You all need to get it into your thick-ass skulls. When I'm standing behind that podium, I'm the one that keeps the crowd hyped. I'm the one that makes sure there's a flow to the proceedings. If you don't like the music I'm playing, don't show up. We didn't mean to upset you. Well, you did
1: Welcome back to the latest installment of the House of Poser, this is Carefree Black Nerds Review Show of FX's Pose, the, uh, I don't know, intense, uh, beautifully shot, LGBTQ marginalized as fucking amplified show uh, on FX on Sunday nights, this episode is episode 6, Love is the Message, in which Praytel organizes a cabaret for the AIDS ward at a local hospital. Ah, today I have a very special guest with me. You may have heard his name being said here and there. You may know him from his other shows, his slew of other shows and his um, presence online. Go ahead and introduce yourself, my good man. (laughs)
2: <laughs> what's going on everyone this is john salvatore of the john effect podcast jackie and John podcast as well as the newly launched panel podcast uh rain i want to thank you thank you thank you for finally <laughs> finally having me on your show um we have been tight for a little bit over a year true, and this true. is my First invitation <laughs> on one of your many shows.
1: <laughs> I knew that finally it was coming. <laughs> yes, this is yes, long you overdue. It knew what
2: was coming. <laughs> long it's overdue funny because our first collaboration was a little over a year ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was episode fifty-three of my show, and it's funny because you and I were talking the other day that the clip that I used. To bring in the show was a clip from Paris is Burning, true, true. and then just flash forward to a year later, and here we are discussing um, Pose. So I, yes. I just it, yes. the universe works did magic. <laughs> ah, works <it> magic. No.
1: <laughs> right, that was a little bit of foreshadowing for those of you listening in the future. <laughs> that was some foreshadowing there. That's what's up. That's what's up. And yeah, that is uh that's 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 interesting. That the universe has a has a way of working. Um. Yeah, so that that being
2: said, before even getting into this episode, you've seen Paris is Burning? I did. It's funny because I just, re- I want to say I just saw Paris is Burning in its entirety for the first time probably within the last month and a half. Okay. And of course, I was familiar with the movie and the quotes, but I had never seen the movie in its entirety. But I can no longer say that because I watched it. Um, like I mentioned a few weeks ago, and I really, really enjoyed it.
1: Okay, okay, that's what's up. So with you having that kind of, now that background of Paris is Burning, does that inform some of your thoughts when you're watching Pose?
2: It does. It definitely um, has me more understanding of what's going on with Pose. And then, of course, I've been watching My House a ac- court. Ac- ac- Based off of your great <laughs> review show of that show, oh. it made me watch My House, and okay, it, then okay. that triggered me to watch Paris is Burning, and then watch Pose. So it, it's it everything just came together. So those two things really kind of laid the groundwork for me watching Pose.
1: That's what's up. That's what's and up. then really
2: enjoying it, actually.
1: Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that because this is and which is a funny thing because it's almost um. I don't know, some type of kind of time loop in a sense because if you started off with my house and then went to Pose, uh, excuse me, Paris is Burning and then to Pose, Pose is chronologically set in the time that predates my house. So it's like, that's, that's interesting. That's an interesting way to kind of follow flow into the show. So that's what's up. Um, those of you out there who do not... Uh, who stumbled upon this podcast just randomly out the blue? Welcome, <laughs> you know. And then, as John says, new listeners, welcome. <laughs> oh, <laughs> returning I, I, listeners, welcome back. <laughs> I, I <didn't> <laughs> oh shit. Okay, so getting right into pause before I even diving into the episode. Overall, episode six, love is the message. What is your takeaway? How do you feel? Did this? What, what's your overall thoughts of the, just the episode as a whole?
2: Okay, so my overall thoughts of the episode as a whole, this was by far my favorite episode of the season. It resonated with me. I tweeted this, and I'm going to say it. Billy Porter needs to receive all of the acting nominations when it comes to the Emmys, when it comes to the SAG Awards. When it comes to the NAACP Awards, when it comes to the Golden Globes. This man was motherfucking acting every fucking scene. Yes, yes. He delivered. Like, that is a talented That is a talented man.
1: It is, it is. I agree. I agree. I uh, co signed all of that. He had me in my. Fil- now, I'll say this show every week does a really good job at pulling at your heartstrings. It might not be yes. enough to make you ball out of control, but they do hit those those marks. But this episode, like you said, coming from this put together, um, father figure who, you know, can shade you and, and and uh kind of support you in the same breath, seeing his acting this episode, oh, they did a damn good job at casting him. Good job, hey, Billy yeah. Porter. Yes, yes. Lord so um, we're gonna take a few steps back to the end of episode five with um, Hi Barbara. This is Shirley. What do you? <laughs> what's up? What's, what's your thoughts on uh, Angel and Patty Polly, whatever her name is, uh, Stan's wife?
2: Here's the thing: I'm not here for Stan's wife. I'm just not like. I feel like she leads on more than she's letting. I feel like she knows more than she's leading yeah. on. It's just like, be upfront. Like, this whole let me, you know, intel and get information, just say what it is, say what you know, confront it. But this whole white woman passive aggressive thing is not working. <laughs> I hate passive aggressive people. And especially when it's white women, it just, it just, It tears me up. It's just like, look here, bitch. Just get to the point. Like, don't play this. Oh, I don't know what's going on, but let me ask these questions. But in the back of my head, I know exactly what's going on. Like, cut Mm -hmm. the shit, Polly.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. Okay, okay. You know, I, I feel the same way. I really, one thing that I did like about her is that she, in this time frame or time period of the late 80s, being this kept woman with kids and kind of being trapped in this box of of the American dream, which I mentioned on the last episode about Stan being trapped in that same box where it's go to high school, go to college, meet the man of your dreams, have your 2.5 kids, live in a house with a picket fence. Like I feel as if she's trapped, so I'll give her that much. I like that she took it upon herself to figure out what was going on. But like you, I'm not, I'm not singing your praises. I'm just impressed that you got off your ass and did something. Outside of that, you know, she, she scares me. Um, And like I said, I said this before, the reason she scares me is the same reason any other white person scares me. You're a white woman in close proximity to a person of color, specifically a trans woman. This Mm -hmm. can go left so quick based off of how you choose to react. Not even how Angel chooses to react. It's if you are upset enough or petty enough or angry enough angel could end up dead and that may be thinking a bit too deep into the show but this is it's our not- and um you know i'm I, this is what i'm taking from it in our everyday lives this is not the exact same story but this is pretty much where we end up at once you get face to face with a white person who y- you don't know how they're gonna react you could end up dead you can end up on the news you can end up locked up and so i'm um, be it your fault or not, that's why I'm just I'm really, I, fuck Polly. That's all I got to say. Fuck her, Polly Patty, whatever her name is. I'm I'm not, I'm not a fan. I'm not, like I'm not a fan. She yeah. Um, I did like the conversation between her and Angel at the diner. I thought it was very smart. Um, and just the image alone of this trans woman, beautiful. Uh, Brown trans woman and this, um and this you know white woman, this conventionally attractive white woman. I really real generous
2: her. with that conventionally attractive, bro.
1: Well, as far as white people are concerned, she's thin and long hair, big eyes, slim. She, yeah, she's something. Uh, I don't find her attractive, but I like this back and forth and this kind of double speak in the sense that she was not aware which. Okay, hold on. Let me take a step back. I was about to say she wasn't aware of Angel, but even though this is the 80s, you have to know that there's something going on because she made the comment like, what were you doing there in that room full of gay men and drag queens? And it's like, hold on a you ain't that damn dense. Like, you might not be able to put your finger on it, but you have to know that I'm a different type of woman, that I'm not. Right. I- and it's not that Angel isn't passing. It's just like the whole situation. I was like, it- I don't know. What? What's your take on the comments that
2: were made towards Angel. The comments about that, I will say this. Angel, to me, is very passing. Um, Outside of Electra, I want to say she's probably the most passing on. Well, no. Actually, I take that back because um, Lulu's quite passing. Candy's quite passing. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Um, Electra, of course, is quite passing when they had the scene where they were at the, the, the shop when they were, um, those Queens were quite passing. Mm -hmm. So I'll say this angel to me is quite passing. So I really think Patty, Polly, Penny, whatever is that dense that she just doesn't know. I, to me, that was my takeaway that she was just that dense because angel just doesn't give me she gives me woman mm. she gives me I, I would never question it
1: okay okay well I, I can give you that I can give you that I guess with me watching the show I'm more I don't like her so I'm trying to separate me not liking Polly from um, me actually and listeners I know the girl's name is Patty I just don't give that much of a fuck about her um, but I yeah I'm gonna I'm leave it there I did like, however, and I don't know, again, being cis, cisgendered, I don't know if this is offensive or not, but I did like that she was distraught behind Angel's reveal that I'm a trans woman. And right. e- even though she was kind of, not, e- not even intentionally insulting her, but it was like, no, you're a woman. And she's like, no, bitch, you, you compliment me, but it's like you can't wrap your head around the fact that I am not a cis woman. So I, I don't know. It's that. So again, I don't know if that's problematic in itself. Cause I don't, um, I'm not in, I don't live that life, but right. I did like that. And with Janet mock being the person who wrote this episode, I would imagine it's okay, but I don't know. I don't, right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the other thing that I want to bring up in this conversation, which really, which I really loved is that Polly said, I don't believe you that you're uh, a trans woman. And she said, well, what, you want to see my dick? And she said, yes. And Angel kind of already in control of the conversation told her, hmm, I'm sorry for what I did to you, but there's some things that I'm not going to, I won't be disrespected, something to that effect, which, right. oh, my God, man, this is just a fucking phenomenal show. Like, that could have went left. If this had been left to the hands of someone else, Mm-hmm. Who knows what the next line would have been out of her mouth? Like,
2: oh, I, don't, I don't know. Oh, shit. Any, any thoughts, John? Here's my thing. This was a, and I said this on social media, this was a prime example of white privilege. If you ask me a question and I tell you what it is, I'm going to tell you the truth. So for you to question me and say, prove it, who the fuck are you, Polly? Who the fuck are you? Like, take my response at face value that it's the truth. How dare you question me and say, prove it. Like, that shit, that burnt me up that she felt the need to say that. Like, that was just like, mm, fuck you, Polly. Fuck you sideways from Sunday. <laughs>
1: I, I think it's even more upsetting because it's like, bitch, I'm sitting here telling you all this other shit that you're taking at face value. That I, he moved me in, we were together for this long, I broke up with him, but then this one thing that doesn't fit into your. Because I, I believe if Angel had have been a cis woman, Polly would have been all right. It's it's the the fact that she is trans that just you know aided her. But fuck Polly, right. or her bitch ass. Fuck <laughs> so um moving on through which the timeline in this damn show is like in a matter of one episode we can get through about four or five weeks worth of damn time like I'm trying to figure out what's the end game for this show are we going to end up in the 90s are we going to end up in the early 2000s like what if we get another season how far along will we be then? like uh, I
2: don't <laughs> I think I think season this is just my my um me guessing. Mm-hmm. I feel like season 2 is going to open up with it turning to 1990. I feel like maybe the premiere of season 2 or maybe even the cliffhanger for season 1 yeah. is going to have the ball drop for 1989 and then season 2 will tackle the 90s when it comes to you know the ballroom community when it comes to the AIDS epidemic Mm -hmm. when it comes to lgbtq when in reference to you know drag queens and gay men so that's just my Mm -hmm. my -hmm. takeaway i don't know that it's going to be that but i could see where they could go that route especially given ryan murphy's track record
1: yeah okay oh okay so what about this i'm glad you brought that up because i asked this um last episode and we didn't kind of um did you have you? Did you watch Glee? Did you watch it when it was on, or even after it ended? I
2: didn't watch Glee, but I, here's the thing: I'm a I I want I've been rocking with Ryan Murphy since 1999. So okay. a lot of people don't know he had this show on the WB called Popular. It ran mm-hmm. for two seasons. Yeah. It was actually ahead of its time. And I, that was one of my favorite shows. And the writing on that show and the, the comedic relief and the, the comedy and the content was so great. And then I also watched Nip Tuck. So yeah. um, when Ryan Murphy's on, he's on. But he's so hit or miss because there are certain seasons of American Horror Story. It's just like, what the fuck is this?
1: Yeah, 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 I could see that. Now... With you having um, experience with Ryan Murphy, when you look at polls, not even the content, just looking at it, um, like the editing, the cinematography, all of that, does it match the other shows that he's done, in your opinion?
2: In my opinion, no. I feel like where he may be the executive producer, he's not the showrunner, and I mm-hmm. feel like it. you can tell within the show itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I feel like if he was at the helm of each and every show, I don't think we would get such great content that we're getting. Yes. I feel like he's the face of it because he's a name mm-hmm. and then he's just letting you know the people of color like them, Janet Mox and the other people behind the scenes really delegate the task of the show and the execution. because. Yeah it doesn't to me at least it doesn't come off that Ryan Murphy really has his hands in the pot each and every week i feel like he is just you know he's the name he's got the power he's got the credibility and he's just like hey girls you know <laughs> you guys can have it and you know let me just fight for you That's that's what i get from it at okay
1: least. okay good deal good deal cuz i've um i've seen nip tuck but i think when it was on or at least when it started, I was a bit young, not too young to watch it, but I wasn't into mm-hmm. it. Um, popular, I know about. I never saw it. Um, and Glee, I watched. I used to watch it religiously, but maybe mm-hmm. for like one season. Then after that, right. I was kind of going back and looking up episodes. But okay, so that, that's that's um, that's interesting. So kudos to Ryan Murphy for whatever he's done to get this damn show on the air. And uh for putting people of color and marginalized people at the helm because yeah, it's this is a damn good show. Um so Pray Tell and I'm trying to remember Homeboy's name, his boyfriend, uh Is it, it Costa? Yes, Costa Yeah, I was about to say cautious, goddamn it. Yeah. So this running theme of, you know, taking care of your, you know, essentially dying lover. Uh, brings us to category being love is the <laughs> what love is the message with mm-hmm. um, this this constant repeat of love is the message have you ever heard that song before the show
2: um, before the show no but I mm-hmm. remember when after the first airing aired on Sunday I did go to Spotify and I played it a few times but prior to the show I had never heard the song
1: okay okay cool me either me either or if I have it's so far in my subconscious I wouldn't know it um <laughs> So we get to uh category B, what is it? Butch Queen Sex? Butch Queen Body. And butch, yeah, Butch Queen Body. Uh okay, so <laughs> get, give me give me your thoughts on this this first category of the episode. This
2: category, I was here for it. Um, <laughs> butch Queen Body. Like, I I love a good Butch Queen. I do. I for the <laughs> For the bulk of my dating history, I have dated Butch Queen. So oh, a Butch Queen body um, category was something uh, pleasing to the eye for <laughs> me. And I'm glad that Ricky took home grand prize for okay. this category.
1: Okay. Yeah, that was my next question. Because uh, between Ricky and the first guy that went up, the other, the first guy, I'll say the difference is he seemed taller. So he, yeah. they both had nice bodies. But Ricky, for whatever reason, being compact, he looked more defined. I don't know if that's just I'm biased because I like really Ricky Moore, but right. kudos to him. Uh the biggest issue with this is that Pray Tell is playing the same goddamn song over and over again if oh, I should being yeah. tired of it. Um if we move past this to the intervention, what okay, you tell me, do you think that Pray Tell was right? In the sense that you know, motherfucker, you could have did this in private, or do you think that Blanca was like was like you fucking up? We coming as a family to try to uh, sit you down. Like, what what side do you fall on?
2: I'm going. I'm uh, I'm a rival, Prey tell on this. Okay, Blanca, when he stated that he they could have had the conversation in private because if you watch the show, he and Blanca have had many a conversations in private why couldn't this have also been a conversation that we had in private
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so
2: to me to me at least the conversation should have had should have been in private i don't feel like the whole house should have been privy to what's going on yes they understand that he because they're at the balls and they understand that he's playing the same music but I, I just feel like it, it would have bode better had you know Blanca and Pray Tell just had the conversation one- on one.
1: Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, I think that Blanca's getting obsessed not ups- yeah obsessed with her children and it's not a bad thing, but you're losing sight of other shit because like you said, you could have said this everything else we've said in private like he you found out about his status he deliberately lied to the children. Kind of because that's not their place. He's the adult, even though they're in their 20s, but he's right. still the father figure, so that's none of their business. So even with this, you could have sat him down, said all oh, you had to say, and also said, hey, look, we as a family feel this way as well. You know, and then kind of, get, that did seem kind of, at first I was like, what the fuck wrong with him? Why he's so upset? But then I'm like, no, motherfucker, you, you ganging up on me now. Now I have right. to automatically yeah, like, get defensive. You know, so, yeah. So, when he eventually apologized, I was like, nigga, I don't know. I would have demanded one from her before I gave my, her my fucking apology. That's just me. Right, I understand. Fucking Blanca. But she is my, my favorite mother on the show, so. But still, she fucked up. Um, so, Electra post-surgery. Uh, <laughs> Still calling out Blanca, saying her face look like a brick and all this other shit. Yo, I was like,
2: really? have <laughs> you not learned anything, Electra? Like, see. you just you just gonna continue to be the bitch that you are. I was just like, wow. But you know, that's on brand for her.
1: I I feel like her being mean to Blanca is one thing. I'm interested to see what her relationship with her children is like now. Uh, but yeah, that fucked me up. Like <laughs> Get at me when you win a face category. <laughs> like, yeah, I was
2: like, lucky fucking bitch.
1: Are you serious? <laughs> like, oh my God. Okay, so this. that being said, I'm having a hard time with the way this show is presenting Blanca because I've said it before. I've said it online. I'm going to say it again. I feel as if she's passing. Now, do you think the comments about Blanca looking boyish, not passing, being a drag queen as opposed to a trans woman. Is it just the show saying these things to set up that she's supposed to be the underdog? Or do you think that Blanca actually looks manly or not passing? Like, do you...
2: <sighs> that is a good question. I think for the show, her being the underdog, it that has been set up, especially with the previous episode um, that was cemented there. I, to me, I, I'm on the fence because if you've seen the clip that circulated online of MJ Rodriguez singing yeah. "Delivers," mm-hmm. that was a female performance. When he sang on episode six, I'm not. Try- I, I don't want to be insensitive. The vocals. We're very masculine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was like, is this because we're setting it up with Blanca being on the fence with b- just being androgynous and not necessarily filling the position of a woman? I didn't know, but I feel like Blanca to me is for the most part, I would say 85% she's passable.
1: Mhm mhm okay, okay for me yeah.
2: but for the show I could see where it 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 it's painted that she's not okay. just because it's a show but if we're just going off physicality I think for the most part she is passing
1: I think so too especially in the 80s uh just with the clothing style yeah. and androgyny being a, like a bigger a big thing I think right. she is but but no no that makes that makes sense and I've been kind of battling with that cuz I'm like I know she she needs to be the the underdog mother, you know, building the house up from the bottom. But it right. just felt like everybody that fucking shaded her kept t- calling her a boy and shit. I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. I just felt some type of way. But again, now, I'm when honest. she
2: had that shake and go wig, <laughs> that was that. I was just like, okay, this is very. I was like, I don't know if you're we passing as much, but when she has her regular curly kit, yeah, to me that's passing.
1: Just for me here. <laughs> yeah, that
2: passing.
1: Okay, okay. Uh,
2: her the way she carries herself as woman, her speech as woman. It's just I could see because she's not as soft and as feminine as yes. Ulu or mm-hmm. Candy. Because Candy, S- Candy is, is it's so <laughs> fucking real. like. I feel like I have cousins that look like Candy.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yes, that motherfucker. I. Okay, I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit. When they get into that shop, I her comedic time. Everything is Lulu and Blanca walks into the shop. You know, talking about what they're gonna wear. Candy comes out of fucking nowhere with a, right. a damn dresser full of clothes. Throws it on the down. Connor says, "I wish you bitches had to tell me you was coming." I could like it just her, That whole scene, that motherfucker is funny, and I want to see more from her. In the universe of this show, but if she want to go off and do some other shit on YouTube or, you know, Centric or I don't know, HBO or whatever. I want more. I just, I really like her. She's one of my favorite. Yeah, Candy, that little motherfucker. (laughs) But, um, and, and again, kudos to this show for having so many trans actors and actresses on this goddamn show because um, during one of the ballroom scenes there was a trans man and I cannot remember where I know him from I think it's he used to be in the military but then again it might be he's a model his face right. is so familiar he's a light skinned guy when Candy said I don't care how the man started his oh, yeah, a model, I know that man and I cannot remember I googled my fingers off and I cannot find out where where I know him from, and I, right. I think he used to be in the army or the military or some shit. But um, yeah, kudos to this show for that. Uh, so uh, in walks Damon, the Playboy, fuck boy. Uh, what are your thoughts on on Damon?
2: Wait, are you? Do you think you mean Damon from the House of Evangelista, or oh, the one Shit. that's been after, chasing after? Nah.
1: Yeah, him. Darius. For not the Darius. last episodes. Yeah, him. The one. Ch- LL uh, DJ.
2: Oh, Darius. Darius. <laughs> yeah, my bad. Okay. Um. Now, the last episode, I thought, okay, this is sweet. This is going to lead up to maybe some type of romance for Blanca to carry to the end of the season. And I had no other qualms about that. Now, once we saw the scene at the, the shopping place where they were at, where all the girls were there, mm-hmm. and they were pretty much saying that Darius is just a fun type of guy, the same way that they were saying that, um, uh, what's his name? Ricky. was fun, Ricky was a fun type of guy for um, Damon. Damon. I, I thought it kind of paralleled, but it was just like, okay, but we, we know that. I feel like in this community, for me at least,
0: yeah, yeah. I
2: know that I've experienced that where you think, oh, this is somebody that might be somebody that you can talk to and get to know, mm-hmm. but then once you get around your friends or your, your colleagues and your associates, and they're like, oh, no, he's just trying to fuck. And yeah. I, I've been in that situation with my cousin and an associate at the time where, you know, at – Some point in time, we had all talked to X person, but that person was just somebody that wanted to fuck. It wasn't somebody that you were to have a relationship with. I remember Mm -hmm. that he had ran through our colleague, and then he ran through my cousin, and then I was the (laughs) last person on the list. And it was just like, oh, yeah, dude, when you compare notes, you're like... Yeah, stay away from this nigga. So I yeah. that really resonated with me cuz I've been in that situation where it's like, oh, I thought this guy was somebody that I could get to know. Yeah. But then again, when you're t- but I wasn't the age that Blanca was. This was maybe 10, 15 years ago. So yeah. I was still in my early 20s and I didn't know any better because I was so new to the community and it was just like, oh, but for Blanca it it was different because she was older. And it's just mm-hmm. like that's got a sting that you thought that somebody that yes. could accept you for where you're at at that point, mm-hmm. And he's just fetishizing you because he likes, you know, yeah. that certain subset.
1: Right, right, right. Oh, fucking headache. And even to, to add insult to, in, well, not insult to injury, to add another layer on it, she didn't even get a chance to tell this man about her status. Not that she needed right. to say it in, immediately, but thinking that you're going to build something like, what if she had a slipped up and told him before figuring out he was a playboy? Like, that could have been fucking devastating. Not only, right. you, you know, I've given a piece to you that I can't give back because now you know. It's just, yeah, that's, oh my God. I, I felt for her in this episode.
2: Uh, I did too. Uh, I did because I've been on the flip of that. I have, you know, talked to guys over the course of 20 years, especially in this community, that... They have disclosed their status to me uh-huh. and left it in my lap to say, "Hey, I'm letting you know this about me. Would you still want to pursue dating? Would you still want to pursue whatever with mm-hmm. me?" And you know, there have been times where I've been open minded and I said, "Okay." And there have been times where I was like, "You know what? This is just too much for me. Yeah. Let's yeah. just keep it at friends." So I I, I got that. Mm-hmm. That that really jumped out at me.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's good, and I, I like the way that this show even handles um, HIV and AIDS, and not just the one end where it's I'm sick and dying in a hospital bed, but then the like casual reminders that this person who you love or are tuning in to see every week is dealing with this thing, so it's not all doom and gloom. You have the face of a person who's dealing with it, who's alive and healthy and well and you have the face of the person who is suffering from the illness and it's not it's not a competing narrative It, it they're sharing the same space and right. it's not a AIDS episode it's not a this is the trans episode this is the AIDS episode it's not it feels real so right just oh my god kudos kudos to this fucking show again um speaking no go ahead go ahead you guys you about to say
2: something no no go ahead
1: um, again, I'm not a I'm not Polly's Patty's friend. I don't give a fuck about her. But when she was in this hospital or this doctor's office with Dr. Feeney and this nigga, she had to fucking pull teeth to get him to test her for STD. Right. I was livid. Like nigga not only that I have to beg you to do something for me health wise, but then on top of that, this is a woman being kind of shushed and unheard in the fucking doctor's office. Like, of all places for you to be discriminated against and and pushed to the side in silence, in a fucking doctor's office? I'm in a doctor's office butt-ass naked with this thin-ass sheet on. If I want an AIDS (laughs) test, if I want you to perm my hair, if I want you to fucking paint my nails, do this shit. We are in a doctor's office. That, Bro, I'm not a fan of hers, but that shit right there set me off. Like, right. I couldn't imagine going to a doctor and telling them please test me for STDs and having a fight with you for nigga uh, no couldn't be me uh, so so how do you feel about this scene with the fan favorite Polly?
2: Well, it's always going to be a fuck you for Polly for me. But <laughs> I did not like how the doctor just kind of downplayed her like if she has this request honor the request I under, I mean I guess I understand that with the insurance company it flags it so I can see that that approach to it mm-hmm. but you could have cut all the bullshit and just said let me run it off the like you did it anyway Right. let right. me run it off the books or off the record or whatever mm-hmm. quicker than going through all that other rhetoric it was unnecessary to me
1: Absolutely, that, that shit because like you said you, you came to the same conclusion anyways and that um I don't know, and even that in itself, the fact that an insurance company would flag you for being tested, even that in itself is like, damn, look at the difference in class, look at the difference in uh, marginalized persons versus, you know, the white elite, not even the white elite, just the regular average, regular white person who just has a job that they go to day in and day out. Mm -hmm. What about these people who are in the ballroom scene or just homeless or kicked out on the street who don't have access to insurance or a motherfucker who does and now they're afraid to get tested because now your insurance is going to go through the roof and then we're spreading. Like, it's... Man. 80s. I don't know. Good thing I was a baby back then.
2: Right. I was like four during this year that this scene was going on. I was just like, I... I wouldn't have had no clue like it was that serious
1: yeah yeah absolutely I um so we get past to, 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 to um to a lot of shit a lot of shit so all in all this show what do you have an overall um kind of what is your takeaway from the show like you did you didn't watch it a couple times and you've sat with it <laughs> for about a week what do you what is the like through line for you in this show
2: my the through line for me for this particular show was just dealing with life as it comes to you and just being strong in that.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay Yeah, I I'll, I'll say the same. I'll say the same. Um, again, the show overall has been an amazing show. They've tackled all these different topics that, you know, being told from uh, the marginalized person's point of view uh, is is very good, but a lot of stuff has resonated with me this episode that hasn't throughout the others, um, particularly uh, pray tale storyline. That hit hard um, when my mother passed, I had kind of the same um, phone call, right. The same set of situations. So this was particularly hard for me to watch, but I felt every single thing that Preytail threw at us. Anger, um, the apologizing, the um, making excuse, everything. I I felt that. So, oh man, this uh, this this was heavy. This was heavy. Um, so I don't know to to kind of who <laughs> get things going. Um, do you got any like?
2: Yeah, yeah, favorites
1: favorites least favorites uh, well my
2: favorite obvious is pray tell i go up for pray tell i think he's so poised i think he's on the pulse of what's going on and i'm just a huge fan like pray tell reads for fucking Bills, does. Pray tell, read those kids to the fucking grave, and <laughs> I was here for it. Um, my least favorite is Stan and Polly. I'm just <laughs> like, you guys are so unnecessary. <laughs> like Mark Paul or James Van Der Beek, whooped his ass yes, at work. Did I would love to see if he goes back to work after getting your ass beat at work.
1: Yeah, he, that nigga fired.
2: Yeah. I don't know, it's the 80s because the nigga was doing, he was doing coke during the interview, so I don't true. know if I necessarily fired a motherfucker at true, work true, but true. Okay. Don't, that that's my least favorite okay. um, more so Stan than Polly. Stan is just like such a fucking cuck to me at least
1: <laughs> I, I could say that as well I could say Stan is my least favorite all that crying and shit at therapy I'm just like i'm not a right. fan of holly but you're making me side with her you ain't right. shit, nigga. Fuck you up. wasn't crying when you was you know pursuing angel with your bitch ass so right. fuck that nigga i uh, he i fuck him uh, um and do you got a favorite scene from this episode or anything that kind of my favorite
2: me? scene was the dinner scene where Prey was called when Prey told angel that she was selling her butthole for quarters. That <laughs> was the clip for me. That took me all the way in the fuck out. I slid off the couch. I was like, <laughs> that is everything. That was the scene. That was the scene. End all be all for me.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: okay.
1: <laughs> That's what's up. Yeah, um... I think every single that motherfucker was reading was good for me. Cause he went from the house to the hospital to everywhere just cutting motherfuckers down. So that's um that that was that's that's probably my my favorite as well. Um okay, okay. So uh good good episode. Um any last thoughts on the episode as a whole or you know, what you said all you got to say.
2: Yeah.
1: John? Right, I think we lost them. So, that being said, uh, dope ass fucking episode. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm so happy at what we got from this damn show. Uh, this is Rain Coleman, your friendly neighborhood nerd, uh, John Salvatore of the Johnny Faith and of the panel, and of so many different damn online online uh uh shows and whatnot we'll have the links for his shows in the show notes here and uh make sure you check those out and until next time stay careful stay nice.